right. Do you watch uh, Bob's Burgers? Nope. Sounded like one character. Oh, okay. Well, nope. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Uh, how's it going? Today, I'm very tired, but for the for all the good reasons. Because um, I... So today, we just... Uh, actually, a couple hours ago, we launched a new thing, new product. Yeah, congrats. Um, Do you want to tell us about it? Thank you. Uh, I mean, I don't want... Sounds disingenuous because you know, biased or whatever. It's a thing called Netlify Dev, and which is like if you're running something locally, you can just run that command, and then you have like we're gonna build the site for you, all of your functions, all of your everything that runs on our our stack, you can run it locally. And the cool thing is that you can also share uh, like a live URL of the work you're doing. Um, so. Like whatever website you're building, it doesn't even need to run on the internet, right? Like you can locally run a server that you know, and then share a URL. Interesting. Whatever. And anyone in the world can see it. Yes, but like it's only up. Like if you quit if you have the, it on your yeah yeah yeah, if yeah it's if running you on your quit computer. The command. Right? Yeah, that's really awesome. I remember uh, kind of having to fiddle with that stuff a long time ago um, when we were building the first version of checkout. And we're actually prototyping a lot of stuff um, in HTML, CSS, and some JavaScript. Uh, but it wasn't something, anything that was live or anything or hosted mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, and that was such a pain. Like we were doing like ngrok and mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that, uh, and it just never worked properly. So yeah, I'm glad that you guys are finally doing it right. <laughs> Thank you. And I still don't know. Like personally, I still never know when I'm starting a new project. Like. All right, so how do I get like live reloading and all of that stuff, good stuff that I need, you know, when I'm writing some front end locally? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I installed, uh, lately I've been using Parcel, which is great. But now with this is, well, just run Netlify dev. Uh, even if, you're, if your site is not on Netlify, it's, you know, you don't have to use Netlify proper. Oh, interesting. Dev. It's a local utility thing. Yeah, pretty cool. Huh. And it does uh, automatic live reload? Yeah. And like it detects automatically if it's like a if it's a popular static site generator, it detects that. So if you're running, you know, Checkle, Hugo, Gatsby, whatever, it knows. So it also can just run your build tools for you, like automatically. And so. if it doesn't uh, detect it, then you know you're a real hipster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if it doesn't detect it, you can set your build uh, your build commands on your uh, config file. So clever. Anyway, but so, uh, and also, so like this has no product design, you know, there's no UI. This is a command line interface tool. So all of the work is, you know, was all of our dev team. <laughs> but with this, we've been working on a lot of new product pages, you know, marketing stuff. And so it's just been, we've been on crunch mode for a long time. So I've been really tired and working like long mm-hmm. nights. Um, but so today... Uh, today I took the day off. Like I was around and I was on Twitter and stuff, but I took it easy, which meant, you know, I took it really easy and I biked in the park and I went to the gym and I did like I did some me time. That's cool. So yeah, that felt really good. So I feel really good, but I'm also just tired because I went to the gym and it's late. So that's why I feel like <laughs> physical tire, not, you know, not a psychological one, which right, is good. Right. I would take that uh, any day. Well, we'll try to make it a short show. Everyone take a look at <laughs> your, <laughs> your yeah. clients, see how long this podcast lasts. But um, Three yeah. hours later. <laughs> we'll do our best. 
How are you, man? How have you been doing? I'm doing great. Um, went on a little road trip. Uh, we went to Maine. Um, so Maine was... what? <laughs> it's funny. We actually were in the uh, Portland, Maine area um, and the Brunswick area too. Um, Wait, isn't, isn't Maine a U.S. city? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. But, you know, you can cross the border with your car. Yeah, That's something <laughs> yeah you can I was do. just confused. Uh, it was else. so funny, though. Actually, we get to the border and it's this, like, dark, sad, like, old, like, abandoned building. <laughs> and then on the Canada side, it was, like, all nice and new and shiny. <laughs> like, it was like, oh, this is a metaphor for in the United States right now. <laughs> um, Oof, you're going to get some and, angry tweets. Well, uh, we're going to get notes. Um... And uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, we the border agent was terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Um, I was going with a friend of mine who's Taiwanese, and obviously his passport says the Republic of China. Um, and I was like, like, why do you say you're chi from Chinese? Your passport says you're from China. Like no, like this is these are different things. Like it's not because that's what's written on the passport. Like I was like what? Um. Anyways, the guy was like kind of low key racist. Um. And then he like made us stay for a really long time and like searched all of his bags. Uh. And then he kept making these these comments of like at the border I do whatever I want. I was just like, what? It's like, uh, no, <laughs> you no, you can't do whatever you want. You're in society. Like, there's nowhere in the world where you can do whatever you want. Like, this is not. You didn't a say that, real though, right? <laughs> I obviously didn't say it, but I thought it for sure. I, was I like, thought it so hard. I was like, do I, I think you could do I it. launch into this argument about <laughs> how no, you do? There are many things you're not allowed to do. Um, uh -huh. but no, we just stay quiet put up with it for like half an hour um and then eventually eventually they let us go uh so yeah uh it was a fun road trip we had a really good time <laughs> weather was nice um we we're like really far off into the woods we had lobster and uh, that was awesome um, uh, you got to experience spring weather yeah finally how was that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was that was amazing though it was like 12 degrees it was so warm mm -hmm. i got a sunburn <laughs> um and then i was coming back i was coming back yesterday um and we woke up and s giant snowstorm <laughs> it's like christmas morning <laughs> like, welcome to canada so much snow um and yeah it was crazy too like i was driving back and the road conditions were terrible um so we had to go pretty slow but it, honestly the whole experience was so surreal like we're in the middle of the woods like i swear to god like for an hour we didn't see another car drive past Man. the roads were all like all white um it was like snowing like crazy we had to take breaks every 30 minutes to basically like go like fix the the wipers because they would get like frozen oh uh, um, stuck clogged yeah um, Damn, it's crazy. But, I don't know what that is, but we made it. So, anyways, this is cool. our, our third winter of the year. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, winter is coming. Winter, winter is always coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad you had fun. So, was that like a mini vacation thing? You took a break? A little bit. Yeah, it was just uh, taking the weekend plus a day off. 
was just like cool. a nice little cool. reset. Well, I'm decent. Where you go? Honestly, it's something that I've been really liking lately. Like just taking the, like an additional day off. Yeah. It's it's not a lot, but it's enough for you to like go and do something. And if if honestly feels like more than three days off. Right. So, it really it's awesome. a sweet spot. Honestly, like I know, especially here in the Netherlands, I know there's a lot of companies locally that uh, do three day uh, weekends mm-hmm. and work four days a week, which is cool. But I, I feel like that three day is like a sweet spot because, you know, a two day weekend, like it's it's Saturday night and whatever. You're just getting into the rhythm of the weekend. Like, yeah. Ee. And then it's it's Sunday. And just because it's Sunday, it's already a bad day. Like you, you already feel sad when it's <laughs> Sunday, right? Even if you still have a full day ahead of you. <laughs> Sunday is always bittersweet. It's like, oh, I can appreciate this day, but I know that tomorrow is <laughs> Monday. So. Right. But you can never fully appreciate it because in the back of your mind, you're a bit sad, right? So it's, yeah. I don't know, that three-day, yeah, go with it. Go for it. Love it. Cool, cool, cool. So in the meantime, we did skip a week. It was uh, crazy busy for everyone and we just couldn't find uh, time to record. Uh, apologies for that. But the good news is that when you skip, a week then you have a lot of new stuff to talk about <laughs> you have yes. two weeks worth of stuff and so design twitter did not disappoint and provided a bunch <laughs> of, of uh the drama a bunch of things as always so apparently uh for for twitter uh staples did a logo a new logo thing and then uh, apparently design is not that important and there's a new alvetica what <laughs> And a bunch more. But uh, hey, before we jump into that, uh, why don't we start by uh, talking about uh, one of our sponsors today? All right. So first sponsor is Future London Academy UX and Digital Design Week 2019. So this is a week-long course that happens in London uh, that is all around UX and digital design. I've been part of that course a couple years ago, and it was amazing. It was one of the best conferences of all time. They don't They can't pay me to say this. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, What I like about it is that it gives you real world context. So all the lectures and workshops are conducted by uh, different industry experts, but you go in their actual office. You kind of see what their life is like, what the kind of stuff that they work in, and you get a sense of their environment. The second thing that's really awesome about this is that you are a super small group. So there's only 25 spots for attendees. And that's amazing because you actually get to, to create real bonds with the other attendees. Like I'm, I've become friends with so many of the people that I spend the week with uh, there. I've learned a lot from them. Just the other attendees are just amazing. Um, and it also gives you time to be able to ask your own questions to the speakers and have conversations. And they build that time into the schedule. There's a ton of different modes of learning and engagement. So there's speaker sessions, there are talks, office visits, special guests, mini workshops, roundtables, networking, like so many other different activities. For example, um, when I went, we actually did a, a street art walking tour, which was super, super fun. And we learned about like all the Banksy stuff uh, in London. It was really amazing. So this is a really, really great event. I think it's an amazing investment in your career. Um, I think... Like this conference will leave you with actual learnings that you will be able to uh, apply in your day-to-day work, not just in- inspiration. You'll get an amazing immersion into the London uh, design and tech culture. Uh, you'll learn some things. You'll meet lots of awesome people. I think it's 
amazing, go to futurelondonacademy.co.uk and go uh, check out their UX and Digital Design Week course. We'll also have a link in the show notes that takes you directly to that um, that course. Um, and also it will tell them that uh, you listen to the show and this is how you heard about it. So please go check it out, futurelondonacademy.co.uk. Uh, never stop learning. Should sound like a... News, 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 news with Kevin and Ruffa. <laughs> Here's what you missed in Design Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, uh, I think we had like um, it was not a disagreement, but I think we had two different uh, takes on something that happened. So, if you're listening to this show, you probably saw this tweet uh going around on the internet uh is this like a video um at a internal conference talk uh staples you know the, the yeah, office supplier it, it is the company. staples 2019 business expo there you go uh so there's this video around them where they they had this over the top you know animation uh unveiling graphics whatever of their new logo and so it was retweeted a bunch I personally retweeted it until the original poster deleted the tweet and then I had to delete it. But uh, I think my caption was like, my comment was that this is why, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why people make fun of designers. Um, and you came in defense, uh, which was, uh, let's say, an unpopular opinion, right? I think actually you were the only uh, person I think I saw, like, defending this so do you want to like share your <laughs> your take on this episode <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like this is kind of my ongoing issues with design twitter where it's more about getting your quick dunk out there <laughs> and not actually having like a real conversation most of the time um so i feel like we should do a better job at describing what the video was basically it's like this at this uh staples uh business expo conference type thing they showed like a reveal of their logo and has like explosions and like flashing lights and people cheering clapping and um it's like has multiple screens that show everything and um so it's this big, like, really intense, like, reveal uh, for what ends up being kind of a small logo update. Um, and, yeah, the consensus kind of seems like people hate it. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, people don't think it's cool. Um, I don't think that's really it. Well, so, Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but, okay. I can, well, do you want to explain? I get, like, I'm actually kind of curious to hear more about that side before explaining what i think because i like that's what i got from from design twitter is like people don't think this is cool <laughs> that like oh like big company doing something that they think is cool but is not actually cool i don't know what you mean by cool like being cool i think the at least for me the way i took it and perceived it from the video itself and then from some commentary was that this is clearly like way over the top for what it is like it was a logo update. Um, sure, Staples is like a big brand. You know, a lot of people know their stores and, you know, they have a lot of 
large footprint and all, right? So it's a popular logo, popular brand, um, and they updated it. So it is like a you know special event. Uh, it's not every day they upload a you update a popular, very famous logo. Uh, but the thing in itself, it was like there's this very dramatic soundtrack. All of the light show, all of this like cheering on stage and what all, all of this like galaxies and it was just way over the top. So people thought it was like funny and a bit ridic- ridiculous that you would put all of this effort, all of this money uh, and build up this big thing that in the end was there, uh, I dare to say just a logo update. Right. And I think that was a consensus. Like it's, this is way over the top. This is way too much. Right. That's why I took it. Yeah. I mean, this, this is where I kind of disagree. <laughs> like You disagree uh, that we was, it was way too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you think it was just the right amount of buildup and like okay, you know, so here, presentation. here's the thing. Okay, this is this is over the top, right? Like this is putting a lot of fluff over so, what is the logo. But if reason, it is over right? the top, that's that's it means. That it's <clears throat> but too this much. is how it should be. <laughs> this is how <laughs> you do things like this because look, okay, they're doing they're rebranding their their or not rebranding but redesigning their logo and mm-hmm. when you're at a, co- a company of the scale of staples like sure they could have done like a blog post right <laughs> um but if you're already gonna have an expo like might as well show it there and announce it there like the same way that apple will like do a big hemming and hawing about whatever the new iphone is or whatever even though it looks exactly the same and there's no like actual differentiation in features like might as well show it there like this is their own internal conference like that and this is why the people are are cheering they're cheering because this is fun and this is exciting and it's an actual like interesting thing in their super long and honestly probably extremely boring day of boring like (laughs) office productivity announcements like yeah i want them to spend spend time on that like this is actually like interesting and like my thinking there is yeah this is a little bit extra this is like who hasn't done that before like we always like that's the whole point of these kinds of videos is you're trying to like hype people up and get people excited about a thing like who thought you who knew that you would be able to get people to actually like cheer and clap <laughs> about the logo for like a business like productivity thing like it is technically very boring and i think they did a good job in the video of actually making it seem more interesting than it actually is um and also like from other like that's an, another angle that i have on this is this redesign was much much needed <laughs> like i actually like the new redesign so much better than the the old staples logo this had to be done <laughs> as a as a logo evolution and so yeah i don't know i feel like that this is this video is no different from all the framer announcements that rafa i think you have also <laughs> parodied and kind of made fun of but like the way that people talk about the framer videos is like, oh my gosh, this is like so intense and so over the top, but this is like actually kind of exciting. Um, I think this is exactly the same. It's just aiming a different target audience. Like this video it, it, or this thing entirely 
isn't even aimed as designers. It's aimed at, at internal employees that are actually genuinely excited about this. And I think, yeah, like if we ever redesign, like I would hope we do a video like this and we do something cool like this. Like this is, I, I honestly think this is just fun. <laughs> I am very conflicted. At the end of the day, I don't care. But at the beginning of the day, <laughs> it's like, uh, I just, like you said, this was a, it was just a lot of money and a lot of fanfare. Okay. A small Can we talk about the money thing? The- Can we talk about the money thing? Because like, I, I would bet that like compared to how much money they spent on the, like creating this actual logo, this is an extremely small amount of money that was spent. Plus add on to that the amount of money spent throwing this event together, I swear to God that this is probably, this is probably less than 1% of the budget that was spent during the, this event. Probably. And that, that is the one thing that comes out of this is that they hired motion designers to work on this. Yeah. Like, I mean, cool. we can Someone get like, made money. Out of I mean, you can but. get like our, our friend Devin could animate something like this in a day. I don't think this is like a crazy money expense. Right. Let me just keep going. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm getting done with this topic. But like, uh, I think it was, it was like not very tasteful. It was like a big thing for a logo update for an internal little viewing. It's not even you wasted money. Like it's not marketing money, really. It's not marketing. This is an internal thing. Um, when you compare it to things like Framer, first things like Framer, they they did it in a in a more tasteful way. I think it was like a bit better uh, hyping something up. And they were like introducing a whole new product. You mentioned when Apple makes a big deal or whatever, it's a whole new iPhone. You know, it's a new product. It's not like if Apple were to tweak its little logo, like the leaf on top rotated by 90 degrees, it wouldn't make a one minute video with explosions in space. Are you kidding me? Of course they would. <laughs> Look, they I made, they, they made, I, okay, I they, they, they made a video of a giant, uh, Mac Mini floating through space. Floating through marketing space. Thing. That's an ad. That's an like, ad. It goes on TV. No, this is not on yeah. TV. This is for sure not on TV. It, that's a marketing thing. No, but, well, yeah, but who cares? Like people, like real, like big <laughs> companies, like spend money on stuff like this all the time. Like this is just this is what it is. Like. This is, okay, the way that you should see it, okay? This isn't marketing. Like, this is obviously not marketing. And honestly, if they were spending an ad, like, buying ads with this, I think, yeah, like, that would be a little bit perplexing. Like, I don't, I don't think this would be appropriate for an ad because um, there's just kind of, like, no purpose or no meaning to it. But this is an internal thing. This is a employee entertainment tool. <laughs> this, is, this is what it is. This is, like giving a, uh, an experience and making people feel excited about working at Staples, which frankly would probably be <laughs> fairly horrible um, and just extremely boring. Uh, but this is like, that's what it's for. And honestly, I think this is probably money well spent. Like if you get people clapping at a corporate event like this, you're, you're winning. <laughs> so, but how do you explain that I am a designer? So if, if there's anyone in the world that would appreciate and value a logo redesign would be a designer i think so for me a designer i think it would it would be even more cringy if this was my own company honestly but like, i look at that i was like i just want to like just want to facepalm like oh my god 
don't do this. It's just a, like it's not worth this hype and this buildup. Like, come on. And if that doesn't, you know, connect with me as an audience member, which, by the way, is not made for me, but like I feel like I'm the person, one of the, you know, one of the audience that would appreciate this the most. If that doesn't connect to me, like how can it connect to anyone else in the company, like at that stage? Like what was going on? But I don't actually think that you are the audience. Like I, I, I really don't. Like in a company like this, like all the designers already know about this redesign. <laughs> like, like these people already know. They're they're fine. Like they they are aware of this. This is we need to spread this message far and wide. This is like when you do you create your word document. Don't do not use the old one. Use the new one remember that one with the explosions <laughs> and the fire and the everything yeah that one this is what you need to use from now on and these be honestly i'm i'm sure that this has like circulated like all the designers at staples were well aware of this <laughs> a long time ago this isn't a surprise to them they, they all know this this is hey like uh janice on accounting <laughs> like, here's here's a new thing we're doing design and it makes them think about design for like two seconds um and we don't we don't actually know like i haven't dug into like more of this like we don't i haven't seen the rest of the the events right like Mm -hmm. this honestly you might do after that like launch into a here's our new like strategy and how like our new brand reflects where we want to go as a business like i actually think that 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 also is really interesting in and of itself and they have this whole new like um sort of like branded products um sections and they show like kind of on I'm looking at the under consideration article um how they're using it differently and how they're creating like these products and it actually makes these products feel more elevated than they I think would be <laughs> having the old brand like I actually do think this does matter and this is worthwhile of a conversation um so i don't know like (laughs) you personally might not be excited about it and that's fine because you're not the audience and like Mm. i like this is not like this video isn't making my day like it's you know it's just one thing but i just don't think this is bad like i think this is totally fine this is what the company that size would do they printed it on a giant truck for for god's sake like this is but this is the kind of scale that you have what would you want them to do like like push out like have a at here on the slack channel with like thousands and thousands of people send out like a company email that will get like buried in hundreds and hundreds of other emails like i feel like honestly to me this is the best way to, to there's talk a lot of other ways they can do this right how why how would you do it we're introducing a new logo that reflects our yada yada yada. Click next slide. Boom. Here's the difference. This table well, is not actually a table. Happened. It's a staple. But maybe this happened. Like you, you <laughs> saw like a thirty second video. Like this is the one minute crazy like <laughs> fun reveal. Right. Anyway, I I, I didn't. Like, I mean really to. don't think that this is. There's anything wrong with this. I feel like people are making a big deal out of something that shouldn't be. The logo, I think, is very well executed. Um, <laughs> like, I honestly, I like the logo. Like people just need to to grow up and like stop cargo culting the same ideas that, that people are just repeating over and over again. I feel a bit seen now because, like, I didn't. So first, I didn't 
see that like that um just people being mean that like a you know that negative thing around so i didn't felt even the need to come jump in defense of staples this is like this was a funny video on the internet i'm like haha that's funny <laughs> way over the top that's funny it's like you know when you're looking at fails on youtube and someone on a skateboard and falls like haha that was funny but what if i told you actually that person was trying really hard to nail that trick and this was his 400th attempt and actually after that fall he broke his knee and now he's still recovering you know like if you give me all the context it stops being funny very quickly and i kind of can feel bad that i laugh at it but in isolation when you look at it, someone falling in a skateboard trick it's funny and you laugh but and I'm that not was saying this that's to make, what this was yeah but i'm not saying me. this to make you feel bad like <laughs> i think this is fine like you're allowed to your own opinion but i guess like, what i'm <laughs> Thank you. what bothers me about this is that like there is no conversation actual conversation happening like it's mm-hmm. just and it's fair dunk after dunk on this thing of like who has the hottest joke about the thing and it's like well you know i'd like to think that we can have a moment and think about this and if like actually have a conversation like i actually think that this conversation is really interesting and for Mm -hmm. me like having that dialogue is much much more interesting than like any of the like one-liner jokes that people posted on twitter so yeah like i i'm all for the conversation and people having different opinions um but i think sometimes it's a bit easy to make that joke and not really think about okay is this actually like good or bad like i feel like a lot of people just kind of ignore that all right i'm glad we had this conversation <clears throat> cool so speaking of logos that may not matter uh design apparently is not that important apparently uh this is uh this is another thing that was around on twitter uh it's an article on fast company and uh, john made said that in reality design is not that important and he just goes on to say that um designers should take more of a like a what's the word he uses like not a support like a le- leadership yeah like a support role and not really leadership and uh some people got upset what do you think about it because <laughs> the because the internet um I don't agree. Like, and it's not because I'm a designer. Like, I feel attacked. What do you mean? I don't matter. It's that uh, there's all of the evidence and data. You know, uh, companies that are design driven uh, from the from the foundation from the early days perform better. And uh, so, I mean, I I'm tr- trying really hard not to even mention that, and I'm failing not to mention that. You know, he's John made a he works at WordPress. And I'm trying to contain all the <laughs> sass, but uh, like I think this is, we just look at the data, you know, all the the stats that prove that this is not really that important. I mean that, that this is not uh, true. So, wh- what do you think? <laughs> um, hmm. Honestly, I feel like this highlights um, how easy it is to get misquoted. <laughs> In an article <laughs> like mm-hmm. i i really don't think that this is what he meant um but that it just really got misinterpreted by fast company <laughs> um so i'm kind of like w- wary of making too fast of a judgment on it um mm-hmm. i think i can see an angle in which this can be true um and i think the idea of 
thinking of design-led companies um, and sort of asking questions about that. Um, like, what does it mean to be a design-led company? And is that truly, like, the number one criteria that we should pull forward? Um, I think is, like, an interesting question, again, in and of itself. But this kind of gets filtered through the lens of either designers are important or they're not. <laughs> um, and, like, again, this this feels very binary to me for something that isn't. Um, so do I think that design is important? Heck yeah. Um, do I think that other things are also important in a business? Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Because I feel just, just looking at some pull quotes on the, you know, in the article sometimes he's trying to prove that like designers are not more important than let's say engineers or whatever um that that's not what i'm trying to say it's like you know <laughs> design should be one thing that leads your company just as like good engineering just as everything and not just like you know quote unquote make things pretty at the end you know come at the end and like do something um and i think you know it's it's just look at all the the companies that that succeed and some of the ones that don't um i think you just look around and see that if you don't care about design and you just if if your your business uh sales team is the team that is driving the company and making all the decisions you know i haven't seen good examples of that um succeeding very well so Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are a ton of examples for how that's successful. Like again, I like I. This is a thing where our lens is so informed by our own personal bias. But honestly, I I swear to God, like there has to to be so many companies where this is how things work and it works. It's fine. Like, um, probably not in the tech startup world that we're in, but. I'm sure in like I don't know, say the office furniture <laughs> um world, like probably this is how this works. Like this is more about mostly about sales and big bulk orders. Or um what about like some of the console thing thing things that like IBM does? Like IBM's doing really well right now. Uh probably a lot of it has to do with like how they're doing their sales. Like it's like I don't think that there's a single lens that you can look at this. But what do you mean they're doing really well? They could have been like the computer company. Yeah, any, like, like, but it also depends on the lens that you're looking at. Like, do you want more money or do you want to actually accomplish something and change the world? Like, I know what I want to accomplish. Like, I'd much rather change the world. But if you look at it from a purely business perspective. Like, I'm sure that that does work well for a lot of company. Like, it, it really depends. Like, this is why, like, any blanket statement like this is kind of so broad. I feel like it's so broad that it becomes pointless. And there's, like, so many use yeah. cases that where, like, it applies or doesn't apply. And so... <laughs> It's like I just I just feel bad honestly I kind of feel bad for the John made up for this because I'm pretty sure that's not what he meant. Um, so you know, but just taking this article, you know, to the side, not talking about John Maida, whatever. Um, at least in the technology sector, software especially, and you know, computer stuff, um, 
from the past, you know, 20 years or whatever, we've seen, uh, you know, just design as a thing at a company gaining more and more relevance because for a lot of different reasons, but like historically, uh, people uh, saw that design can be a competitive advantage in the product or in mm-hmm. whatever you're selling. Yep. So, of course, let's invest in that. And so designers today, there's more designers than it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> like in the, in the early days of, of software and stuff. Um, and that is the trend. That's where we're all going, uh, big and small companies. You know, Google right now, design at Google was never a real thing, like a very known thing, right? It was not its competitive advantage. And now they're investing in huge, you know, teams and, and material design and all their design language because they, they saw uh, that, you know, Apple and others were, you know, winning on that front. So it, it's it's a, it's an important thing that people apparently care about. And that's why design is getting more and more relevance in in a say at companies. Uh, is that is design the only thing that matters? Heck no. And there's a lot of examples in where there were design uh, led companies and they had a beautifully designed product that did not succeed based just on that. I can think of you know RDO and you have Path and you had um, Canvas and you know a lot of personal you know favorite tools of mine that I still miss dearly. Um, even now, just Inbox, right? Who, you know, just, just went away. Um, people loved it. Amazing experience. Did not, for whatever reasons, did not, was not a success at Google. So, you know, design is important, but not the most or the only important thing. Yep. I don't know. Totally agree. Cool. All right. Uh, before we move on, should we get to our second sponsor of the day? Let's do it. So our second sponsor of today is Datadog. Datadog is a software-as-a-service-based monitoring platform that provides dev and ops teams with a unified view of all their systems, apps, and logs. Thousands of organizations rely on Datadog to collect, visualize, and alert on uh, out-of-the-box and custom metrics to gain full-stack observability with a unified view of all their systems, apps, and services at cloud scale. So more than 250 turnkey integrations, including AWS, uh, Postgres, Kubernetes, Slack, and Java, um, they all feature uh, real-time visibility from built-in and customizable dashboards, algorithmic alerts, end-to-end request tracing to visualize app performance and real-time collaboration. Datadog combines infrastructure monitoring, applications, performance management, and log management in all in one platform to let you navigate and correlate them seamlessly. Little, little trivia here. We at Netlify actually use Datadog and have been using for a while to effectively, like as you may imagine, uh, Netlify runs on a bunch of little services and clouds dingas. And so we use, can you tell that I'm not uh, an engineer? Uh, and we use Datadog to effectively like have all the metrics and have all the dashboard and stats to make sure everything is running. Uh, and so I actually, before we started recording, I asked internally on our Slack uh, to our platform team say, hey, do we use Datadog, right? And they, yeah, yeah, we do. And are we happy? And they said, yes, we are very happy. So <laughs> Datadog can pay us to for me to say this. So, but there you go. Um, so this is really cool. Datadog is offering uh, listeners uh, of this show a free trial. And as an added bonus for signing up and, you know, creating your, your first dashboard, um, Datadog will send you a Datadog t-shirt, which I think it's really cool way better than like any promo codes or whatever 
So that's right. If you go right now, um, you go to datadoghq.com slash layout uh, and use that code just for them to know that you listen to us <laughs> talk about it. So you go to that link, links in the show notes, and you sign up and you try it out for a second, uh, create a first dashboard, and they will send you a t-shirt. So it's a win, 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 right? You try out their, their service, you get a free t-shirt. They are happy and we are happy. Um, so again, datadoghq.com slash layout. Um, start your free trial. Get a free t-shirt. Cool. So uh, our next kind of topic is a question that I got on uh, Twitter uh, from a friend of the show, uh, listener Kevin Kutowski. Um, Hi, Kevin. And I decided to reply on the show because uh, I felt like this would be shorter than to actually <laughs> write out the full reply. <laughs> um, so apologies if you were expecting something uh, in a written format. Uh, this is it. This is our answer. So his question is, do you by chance have some documentation or reference articles on how to structure design reviews and collect feedback? My team is looking to reevaluate our process, and I learned, uh, I realized a lot of my notes uh, on this come from articles a long while ago. Lots of links are broken now. Just curious if you have anything to share on the topic. So I thought I'd first opening up, uh, open up this topic uh, for you to see if you there's anything that you have seen or noticed that um, kind of helped you in your design reviews. Um, so that like you collect the best feedback possible. Uh, well, just a disclaimer: we are a very small team. There's not a lot of um, a lot of people in the team that need you know review and need feedback. But also because we're a small team, there's not a lot of process involved. What I do know is because we're remote and because of time zones and all, sometimes it's hard to get like a, a proper design review call meeting in place to get everyone you know in the same place. Um, so what what we've done and what we do is we try to break up all this feedback and and, and get a chance to get feedback on whatever you're working on uh, on way smaller doses. So we do a lot of commenting and pinging people on Abstract. Um, by the way, a little pro tip, if you use Abstract before, I was just like using the artboards scattered around. Right now it's like in every branch, everything you're working, uh, we will create a... A collection and add the, just the artboards if we want feedback on that way if you're working on a bunch of iterations or whatever you don't want people to get distracted by those you know everything that is on this collection you know you put a little tag saying uh open for feedback a uh, little uh, badge and so people just you can ping them and people will give you comments we also have the daily optional um design mustard call that comes after product catch-up in where uh, you just there's a chance for you to ask feedback on whatever you're working on for all the we call it the ux team is basically front-end uh, copyright and design um, so we do that and so that way you we don't need to have like big design review meetings maybe we will at some point but right now this is uh, this is kind of enough so I'm actually pretty curious to hear uh, how you do it at, at Shopify. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of this, the advice around uh, collecting feedback has been said many times. Uh, but mm -hmm. I've just um, noted down kind of like some of the things that I've learned recently uh, that have made a difference for us. So I'm not going to try to go for an exhaustive list, but I'm going to try to go for some of the things that I've kind of updated my thinking recently about or things that I've run into recently that kind of 
I've just took a mental note of to make sure that like we make things better in the future. Um, That's awesome. So um, number one is something that we've kind of struggled with recently. Um, And this is probably more for like the bigger teams than the smaller teams. Um, But we've had a case recently where um, there's actually two teams from different areas that are collaborating very closely together, uh, which is great and really awesome. Uh, But one thing that happened is we ended up having kind of like two different design reviews um, from like different groups on the same thing. Uh, and we quickly realized that it, that it's actually counterproductive to have <laughs> two reviews for the same thing with different uh, reviewers. Um, so the takeaway for me there was making sure that you have all the right people in the room. So in your case, like if you that means you're in a smaller company, that might mean like just thinking about who should be there, like who's going to have an opinion on this and who do we need to have on board with this? Um, so, for example, like if you're at a scale where your CEO wants to review all these things, then maybe it makes sense to have like just a single design review that has everyone in the same room together rather than having separate ones. Or in other contexts, it might mean, for example, your product manager who like oftentimes like the feedback you get in design reviews will have a, a big impact on some of the features or the way we approach certain things. Um, So actually having them be present in the room is so much better than having to relay that context because then they'll they'll like say, oh, but like, what about this? Like, did you know, talk about this? And then you're like, well, no, I didn't. But I think they they meant this. And then you're kind of like playing the broken telephone game. So Mm -hmm. try to really have everyone in the same room together as much as possible. Or if you're doing it, um, like like you like on the internet or whatever like have everyone that needs to have access be present um if you're doing it online i think you in some ways you have to be careful about uh oversharing and getting like too many people to kind of like go in and give you feedback because sometimes like that's just not the most productive way to make decisions like you don't want to get consensus on everything um you kind of want to help hone in and narrow down um so like think about that too like what is too many people uh because there is a stage where it just like makes it harder for you to make your any decisions so try to think about that um i would say my second point uh is an important one around setting context so one thing that i found is that like people try to do very often because like I think it's pretty clear, like everyone said, like always talks about like how you need to set context at the beginning of a design review. And one thing that I found sometimes um, it makes things worse is having like basically half of the design review being just like context building. I just find that as a reviewer, like very hard to a follow or like get engaged and maybe i just have a really short attention span these days who knows but um i find that the people that are the most successful actually find a way to weave in the context as we're going through the the different sections uh rather than having like a giant block at the beginning with like slides and things like that to kind of give context so if you can find ways to bring like contextual context (laughs) um 
into uh, into your design review because then that's just going to make all your reviewers more engaged. Um, and it's also ma- going to make it easier for people to link that context back to the actual work that you're presenting. The next thing, which is sort of related to that, is uh, something that <laughs> I've been noticing a lot lately is the amount of time that someone that a designer speaks in a design review. So very often what you'll notice is the designer is speaking all the time, like 99% of the time during the design review. And that's a bad thing. Like you, you actually want to do, you don't want to be the person who does the most talking during a design review as a designer, because otherwise that's just a presentation of your work. <laughs> um, and you do need to talk about, you know, like the decisions, the rationale about certain things. But the whole point of the exercise is for you to collect that feedback. So when you're preparing for your design review, really make sure that you have spaces where people can kind of like interject, jump in with their feedback. Um, and that way, like that just makes sure that you get the most out of these sessions. Um, and as much as possible, like you should be able to have like either you have a note taker or you're taking notes yourself. Um, but really trying to like leave in specific spots where it's like, okay, I'm going to show you like this first part of the screen. Now I'd like have some questions about this, that, uh, and then have them like speak and don't feel like you have to explain every single design decisions when you have a great rationale or something to, that really adds something to the discussion. Absolutely do mention it. But sometimes I found that like someone's going to give feedback and then the designer is going to like try to like over defend it. And oftentimes it's like almost kind of no point. It's like, yeah, like I know that you tried really hard, but it still doesn't work. <laughs> um, so like it's totally fine to say like, yep, that, that's good feedback. Thank you. I will look into it. And like that can be it. Like that can be your entire response. And because I know for me personally, I need time to like think and process. I don't always, I'm not always able to like judge if that piece of feedback is going to be like useful or not. Another thing is making sure that the last five minutes of your design review, you spend them reviewing sort of the the follow-up action items. And I think that's just a good thing for meetings in general. Um, but sometimes like conversation can go in many, many different directions during a design review. So bringing things back to being like, okay, like just reviewing my notes, I will follow up on this. I will like try this angle that we haven't tried before. I will maybe get some more user feedback on this question that we're all not sure about. Um, and then you can ask your reviewers, how would you like to be involved going forward? In some cases, some people might say, you know what, like, I've told you everything that I had, I actually don't need to see the next iterations of this, because this is already pretty solid. I know that you're gonna, like, do your thing, and it's gonna be in a really good spot. So no need to involve me. In some cases, it'll be like, you know, I'd like to see this again, and we can do another round of feedback. Or sometimes it's just like, you know, let me know where you're at. uh, But we don't need to do like another explicit review. So it provides a way for people um, to also like not necessarily have to be signed up for design reviews for their entire lifetime. Um, <laughs> and uh, it also maximizes your time as well. Because um, sometimes like if the kind of details end up being pretty small, maybe you don't need to do another design review after that. 
Um, so I think those off the top of my head would be sort of my top tips <laughs> that I've uh, discovered recently. Uh, hopefully that's Good useful. Stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, and thanks, Kevin Gutowski, for the for the question again. So, should we dive into recommendations then? Yes, we should. Okay, let's do it. Uh, well, yours is here first, so you want to get us started? Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, my recommendation, and I, <laughs> I was like racing to get this one in because I, I felt like this is <laughs> the kind of recommendations that you would put in the notes. Honestly, I wouldn't. Oh, really? Interesting. Ooh. Ooh. Hot dicks. Um, so, <laughs> my recommendation is uh, Pixelmator Photo. I think it's an interesting app. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect app, uh, mm-hmm. but this is a brand new app from Pixelmator. Uh, it's iPad only. I think it's pronounced Pixelmator. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, and um, the reason I'm recommending it... <laughs> no one will get that joke. I'll just say, Rafa, are you dumb or what? <laughs> um, the reason I'm recommending it is less because of its function and more about its UI. Because <laughs> um, I think... Uh, like obviously the purpose of a photo editor has been done many many times before and oh hi i've also made one before um (laughs) but (laughs) i think they're doing a lot of interesting things i love how they're having like a live histogram um in their sidebar so as you're modifying things the histogram is just like updating in real time people who use uh, lightroom will be very familiar with that uh, but it's kind of one of the first times that I actually see it in on iOS. Um, they do a lot, of, a lot of great stuff of like even visualizing levels um, and like different the different sliders. I love how they present also the filters. It's kind of a small detail, but they have the category na- category names. Um, so you know how in ViscoCam you have like. I don't know, like M5, M2, M whatever. Um, and it's always like just repeated in a list. They actually group them. Um, so I thought that was pretty clever. Good idea. Um, they also have like machine learning enhanced. Um, and one of the interesting features they have is you can actually lock certain effects. So you can, for example, like tweak some of the details that you want, lock the the things that you've changed and then apply machine learning on top of that but it won't change the actual like effects that you've done so it's kind of an interesting way to kind of control machine learning and have it um kind of wherever you want and hold on to certain specific changes that you know you want to make uh and one thing that it does over uh darkroom which is my typically my preferred editing tool is that you have the built-in um I forget how you call this, like the little uh, tool where you can erase, like auto, kind of like the auto uh, autofill. Is that how you call it? Like smart something something Photoshop content aware fill. There you go. Um, so you have that kind of brush uh, right here built into the app. Um, the design is very Apple-y, which again I always really enjoy. Like this feels like an I work app. Uh, I was about to say I life rip um so um yeah i think this is really nice some of the downsides they don't have an iphone app and they don't support uh split view 
I feel like this stuff's going to come at one point. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just happy to see more competition in the world of mobile photo editing because this is where I do all my photo editing. So, um, yeah, it's a it's pretty nice, uh, pretty nice shot at it. I like uh, some of its UI elements. Uh, I just, I just come to realize that I'm not a photographer, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I can't. Appre- this is not for me. I can't appreciate it. I never used Lightroom. I never used uh, Aperture, but I did use Aperture, but just for a little bit, not extensively. And so there's like, a, like a, just mental model things that do not connect with me, like the fact that I have to pick a photo and then import the photo first and then open in the thing like that mental model just i just struggle yeah that is kind of a little bit right and so i I feel like apps like darkroom were designed for non-photographers but also photographers can you know appreciate it and and use it to its full extent it's it's a more it's it's a simpler mental model a simple simpler you know approach to this than Mm -hmm. So Pixelmate is very much like old school photo, you know, professional photo editing app for the iPad. But I think it's a lovely app. It's just, it's just not for me. What's your recommendation? My recommendation is a Netflix show called Our Planet. Wait, I think this, I think that's how it's called. Uh, it's yep. um, it's a Netflix, uh, you know, wildlife documentary, just like a, just like a Planet Earth, you know, from BBC. Um, it features, uh, you know, the, the voiceovers it's done by, by the legend, uh, David Ad- Attenborough. Oh, damn it. I never said his name out loud. Attenborough? David Attenborough? Nailed it. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and it's amazing. There's eight episodes and I just, I like the planet earth, uh, uh, shows. I really do. Um, and this one, like I just, I just saw it's one of those shows that uh, it's one of those uh, use cases in where I appreciate uh, Netflix autoplay because it just started autoplaying. And of course, as with what you would expect from a show like this, it has amazing footage, like amazing footage. And so I was like immediately drawn to it. And let's just say like I've been completely amazed by some of some of these episodes especially the one with the walrus and the penguins not trying to spoil anything <laughs> it's like unbelievable i don't think i've seen this one the, the way that, i think it's episode three or something um not sure but like the way they can tell a story in something that would you would perceive it like something very small right oh this this one animal just ran from this side to this side and there was like a predator in the back you know maybe this whole thing was like three seconds or whatever the way they can juice that into a compelling dramatic uh storyline <laughs> is unbelievable yeah. um so if you like this type of shows i i'm really glad that like these type of shows have to be super expensive because like some of these camera crews they have to be like somewhere remotely for like yeah. two months to get a three minute shot the images so are this, incredible I know. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating. It's like, I, I'm glad, like, it's it's one of those type of shows that I can see that it makes no financial sense <laughs> to do it, right? Uh, but I'm glad that Netflix is pouring the money into this. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm glad that there's more of this in the world, uh, not just BBC being the, the only ones doing this. And probably they're not the only ones, but whatever. Um, so unbelievable. It's really cool. The only downside, uh, the only downside I, I could think of is that the, the underlying, uh, message that they're, they're trying to communicate with this is, is like how, um, 
like the effects of global warming, the effects that it, it has on wildlife, right? And every other animal. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, just sometimes, it feels a bit forced, like at the end of an episode, like, and, you know, the man is doing something, something <laughs> yeah. which it's like, uh, like that's, it feels a bit forced. Like at the end and at the beginning, you have to just force the, the, the you know, the remind everyone that, Hey, global warming, by the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm not like denying global warming or its effects on the world or whatever. I'm just trying to say like, sometimes it feels a bit forced in the narrative. Yeah. It's so, like, we, I think I like that. It's, there like i'm not opposed to it right. but it just feels like it, it they kind of rushed it at the last minute like someone went in and was like exactly. hey what about global warming <laughs> it's like okay let me let me edit the last five minutes of every episode <laughs> to add in something about that um, and, and, i mean the one with the polar bears was actually very effective in where you spend the whole episode seeing how the polar bears hunt and how they have to break the ice and get the fish in the cubs do something with the mother and have to learn and yada yada and then so you spend a whole episode following these polar bears and then at the end of the episode like and by the way right now there's no ice so everything you just saw is super rare now because there's no ice and they can't really find food and you see a polar bear swimming trying to get fish when previously like there was supposed to be ice and whatever it's very sad it's kind of effective actually but sometimes again feels forced but go watch it it's on netflix I was going to say it's free because it's on Netflix, but that's well, not how Netflix works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. So that is it for our show this week. Um, you can uh, reach out to us, uh, get in touch, suggest topics, or ask questions, just like our listener Kevin Gutowski did. Um, you can get in touch with us uh, on our Twitter that's at layoutfm I am at Vernal what? no I'm not I am at Rafa Hari and Kevin is at Vernal Kick <laughs> you can find the show notes for this show all the links for everything we mentioned and all the links for our sponsors and our website that's layout.fm um, this show is part of the Spec FM network so if you're looking for more uh, stuff to listen to or podcasts go there that's uh, the website is spec.fm a bunch of good stuff and lastly, our huge thanks uh, to both of our sponsors for today, uh, Datadog. Again, go to datadoghq.com slash layout and start your free trial and get a free t-shirt. And our thanks to Future London Academy. Uh, again, go check their courses on uh, the website. That's futurelondonacademy.co.uk. Very British of them with that domain. And, um, and that's it. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Oh, um, we didn't talk about this. What what happened to Figma? Oh God, we didn't talk about the Figma redesign, man. <laughs> I have so I have so Let, much. To let's say. make it an after show thing. This is a oh. bonus surprise no, for other people. Let's, uh, no, let's let's do it next week and let's leave this. Oh, as a teaser. really? Because I have a bunch. I have a lot to talk about. Oh. You think people will be able to hold on for them? Yes, that was a long time. The whole week. I mean, be good. Th- this is your show, but um, I, <laughs> this is not my show. I, th- I think the people deserve to hear it. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, we don't have the time just because it's. I have to go to sleep. It's midnight. Okay. But uh, next week, everyone, next week, take one.
Hey, uh, by the way, also at the end, I have this thing bouncing around in our show notes for a long time. It just says, Avengers Endgame Theory, please. I need this on the record. Kevin, I'm literally just going to talk to a wall because you don't care about this. You don't know. Goodbye. You haven't, how many Marvel movies have you seen, actually? Hmm? How many Marvel movies have you seen? One. <laughs> Black Panther, really? Yeah. <laughs> I have zero desire to increase that number. <laughs> Ins- insert the um, the Skype like logging off sound here. <laughs> Can't. It's been a long time since I used Skype. Okay, well, god damn it. See, I have like I have this awesome theory going around. It's not completely original. It's probably I just picked up pieces here and there from the internet, okay. Reddit probably. But man, Honestly, see, you don't care about this at all. But go no for point. it. I'll I'll pretend like I care. <laughs> okay, I just need this on the record because you know the the, yeah. the the movie is coming out. You know, it's 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 like two weeks maybe, and so I I can't say, oh yeah, I totally call that one. <laughs> you know, after the fact, so I have to have this on the record somehow. So okay, my theory is that um, God damn it. See, I was gonna nerd out really hard, but. I guess it, I'll just give you the short version. My theory is that something will happen, and what's going to happen to the MCU is that it will create an alternate universe. So every movie coming after the Avengers Endgame is going to be is going to take place on a separate reality, separate universe. This is not, right. you know, this is not uh, new in the Marvel universe, right? In the comics, you have a shit ton of different realities and different uh, universes. So this is one thing that I think it could happen. Um, so basically they'll all pretend like nothing happened. Like my original theory is like, well, they're going to find a way to go back in time, right? And then, because also in uh, Infinity War, uh, Infinity Wars, uh, Thanos goes back in time a bunch of, a bunch of times. Like they, he has the time stone or whatever, whatever power. So I'm like, hey, they're, they're hitting really hard on this nail. Like, hey, you can go back in time, you can go back in time. So maybe they're just going to go back in time, get all their friends back, kill Thanos, whatever, whatever. But I think that's too, too easy. And I think the characters that are dead, they are dead. We're just going to go travel to a different reality and where all these characters are either alive or they're different. You know, maybe Captain America is a woman or, you know, maybe Thor is a woman. That's actually true in the comics. Right. So they're going to be open up for a bunch of new possibilities then they can take these characters whatever they want because that's the thing like hey robert downey jr is iron man you can't escape you can't just recast that character right so the character is locked to the actor and this would be one way to just you know go free now how this is going to happen i don't know i haven't uh, i don't care but here's the one piece of evidence (laughs) it's not evidence but here's the one thing that like gives me a lot of hope for this theory. Um, we know that there's a new Spider-Man movie coming on, uh, coming up uh, this year, I think, or next year, this year. Uh, we know a lot about that movie. We know that uh, it's called Spider-Man Far From Home. We know that um, Peter Parker is on a field trip in London. Uh, I think it, right? I think it was Italy, maybe London. Maybe well, London. Europe in Europe, but I feel like we saw sure. London Bridge. Maybe, maybe. I thought it was, somehow I thought it was like Vienna or something. 
maybe. Uh, maybe maybe you're right so europe so uh, peter parker is in a field trip trip in uh, europe and there's uh, mysterio it's uh it's um jay killenhall he's the villain yada 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 i think there's a teaser right and so people are like wait but peter is dead after infinity wars what the hell is going on and I'm like, well, that's a cop out. Like we know, you know, Black Panther two has been confirmed. We know that there's more movies coming on, so something has to happen, right, for these characters to come back. Now, why the alternate universe? Because in Infinity Wars, when uh, those aliens are coming down in New York, whatever, whatever, and uh, you know, Doctor Strange and and uh, Iron Man and uh, whoever else is there. They're all fighting these aliens, and there's a big spaceship in New York. And you see Peter Parker in a school bus with all of his classmates going on a bridge somewhere. Um, and you see Peter, like with his spider sense, he looks looks out the window, there's a big spaceship, and he leaves the school bus to go help Tony and fight the aliens. Hmm. Now, probably something's going to happen. They're going to go back in time, whatever, whatever. Something will change that in this alternate reality, there was never an alien spaceship in New York at that time. So Peter was still at that school bus trip thing. So there was nothing outside. So he never left that school bus. So he was on a bus with his schoolmates going somewhere, probably a school trip, probably to Europe. And that's the new Spider-Man movie. Mm, That seems like it would make a lot of sense. Right? And then I'm pretty sure Captain America, Thor, uh, and Iron Man, at least those characters, like those actors, are probably done with this. It's been 10 years. Uh, I don't know about Black Widow, you know, Scarlett Johansson, because we know now it's been confirmed that there's going to be a Black Widow movie. Hmm. Um, It would be kind of tragic that... (laughs) Scarlett Johansson like wouldn't play Black Widow in that movie. Like after all these years, like she never had uh, her own movie. Oh right, yeah. And now that they announced it, like, well, we're gonna give it to <laughs> different actors. So who knows? Um, but, as uh, an I MCU think... fan, how do you feel about this? Do you like that it opens up the timelines, or do you feel like yeah. that's just a cop out? Yeah, no, I think it's it's uh <clears throat> it's, it's genius. It's good for everyone. Uh, you can keep the characters that you want to keep with the actors, like Spider-Man, Black Panther, yada, yada, probably Captain Marvel. Um, you There's a chance for you to recast some of these characters and reinvent these characters, right? Like Thor has some of reinvention with Thor Ragnarok, which was great, but still, like these characters have been a while. They're, they're, they're played out, right? Like I couldn't think of Iron Man 4 or whatever, like a new Iron Man movie. Like I Honestly, I think it's it's just too much. So it would open up new characters because these characters are great and you can tell a bunch of different stories of the characters, but if you have new ca- new actors, new you know directors, all that, I think, so they don't run out of cool characters, right? Um, also, with this new alternative universe, because now Disney bought uh, Fox, it would be one excuse to say, oh yeah, X-Men totally exists in this alternate universe. And that's why you never seen X-Men or Deadpool in the old Avengers because that was a, uh, you know, a separate uh, universe. Right. <laughs> um, so it just opens up a lot of possibilities and it can feel like a cop-out sometimes, but that the same thing happened all the time in the comics. And so... So, but in your mind, is it like... Uh, from now on, everything happens in that same new universe, or that the different movies also have their own universe. 
Oh, I believe that we're just going to jump to a new... A new fork. Timeline. Um, a new universe. Not going to jump between them, because that would be confusing. Maybe. Interesting. It's like, you know, Marvel MCU 2.0. You know, the new universe. New reality. So, anyway, I just All have right. to... We'll see if you uh, turn out to be right. Listeners will have to tell us, because I won't know <laughs> any better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hope you're uh-huh. right. Okay. Uh, me too. Well, I don't know. I was I kind of hope I was going to be surprised, but anyway, I'm so looking forward to this movie, man. I have no idea. Ah, oh, ten years, dude. Ten years. What do you mean, ten years? Ten years in the making, building up for this moment. Mm. There's ten years of Marvel movies. Yeah, but I wouldn't say building that it's up. ten years in the making. <laughs> I say that it's a random accident that we're we're here. Totally not on. At the end of the first Avengers, which came out in, I don't know, like eight years ago or whatever, they had a little teaser of Thanos. You, you've seen Thanos. Hmm. You've never okay. seen Thanos again for like whatever. So they've been at least playing this plan, you know, this storyline for at least well, how many years? Eight, seven, at least. All right. Fair enough. It's not fair random. <laughs> I felt attacked for a second. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. How dare you say I- I retract my comments. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, dude. I'm going to stop recording. <clears throat> okay. All right. Bye. Bye.